Welcome to the Montgomery Companies Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery. And today I'm so honored to have a good friend, um, someone who I respect a great deal uh, out on the East Coast that does similar work to the work that I do, but in a different space. And she carries um, just tremendous ability and impact with her everywhere she goes. Uh, her name is Nicole Khalil, and I've known Nicole really for the past couple of years. We've run in similar circles, uh, both got our start in the financial services industry. And um, I'm excited to tell you a little about my friend, Nicole. Nicole spent most of her professional life with a Fortune 500 company, where her passion for leadership led her to become the first female chief development officer in the 160 year company history. Working in the male dominated industry of financial services has given her both experience and insight into what's working and what may not be working in developing productive women and leaders within an organization. Both of Nicole's parents immigrated to the United States, her father from Mexico and her mother from Germany, making her a first generation American. Uh, Nicole, the first time I heard about you, you gave a keynote at a major conference, the managing directors conference, and my phone was blowing up like, you need to meet this woman. She's amazing. She's dynamite. I think I heard from, uh, from about a dozen different people at that conference about you. And, uh, and that, was, that was my first introduction to Nicole Khalil. And since then, I've been impressed with your work, uh, love what you stand for, and we are honored to have you on the show today. Jordan, thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I want to start with this um, topic of confidence. You spend a lot of time helping people grow in their confidence, and you've got some interesting perspective on what truly allows people to become more confident in their work and in their life. Um, I want you to start with this idea that failure actually builds confidence. Can you speak to that? Yeah, absolutely. So confidence is probably my favorite thing to talk about and something that I have been researching, observing, experiencing, learning for many, many, many years. And I think the idea that failure builds confidence can be counterintuitive for a lot of people. And, and I will tell you with absolute certainty over my many years that I've discovered that failure does in fact build confidence because we always have the choice to fail forward. And failure, if you, if you take a step back, is a neutral event. I know it doesn't feel neutral, but it is a neutral event. How do I know this? Because my failure might not seem like a failure to you, or what I see as a big failure may seem like a small failure, or what you know, I experience as a small failure may, may seem insurmountable to somebody else. So failure in and of itself is a neutral event. We bring meaning to that event. And because of that, what that tells me is we have a choice in our perspective. We have a choice in how we interact with, perceive, and experience the event. And, and again, I'm not saying that it's easy or comfortable or, or that it doesn't hurt sometimes or, or any of those things. But because we have the choice, I often talk about the opportunity to see our failures as lessons, as gifts, as opportunities. Uh, and, and therein lies our opportunity to fail forward. And the reality is when we do fail for most of us, it's very rarely worst case scenario. It's very rarely what we thought it could be worst case scenario in our brains. We survive, we don't die, right? And so in that, that failure 
becomes an experience. And so the next time around, when we're faced with similar choices, we might be able to look back and go, oh, I know I can recover from that. Or I've learned that lesson, so I'm going to apply that going forward. And it actually builds our, our confidence. And I think we as a society spend so much time avoiding failure. And again, I work with a lot of women and men too, but um, I think for a lot of the women that I work with, we've misconstrued failure into it meaning something about us. Our mistakes don't define us unless we let them. And our mistakes don't change anything about our inherent value or our inherent worth as humans. And I think if we can begin to unpackage our mistakes and our, I put in air quotes, our failures from who we are, it can play a big part in them being confidence building events versus what we think they are. I love that. Um, you know, I think about the quote that people can be impressed with your accomplishments, but they connect with you through your brokenness. And as I've come to know you, Nicole, you're somebody that is authentic and real and transparent. And for that reason, people connect with you. They want to be around you. They want to be your friend because you're real and you um, continue to have this authenticity about how you move forward in life and how you uh, carry yourself and grow relationships. Uh, much of your work right now is, is with women and you have this sort of tagline, this is women's work. Mm-hmm. Um, I want you to tell us what's behind that tagline. This is women's work. Yeah. So I'm going to go big and then get back to the answer. Um, somebody told me once that we should all have a purpose or a mission that's so big that it almost doesn't seem achievable in our lifetime. That's when we know we're thinking big enough. And so my big mission that, you know, seems insurmountable in my life, but it's what gets me up in the morning and also what keeps me up at night is to eliminate and do away with gender expectations so that we all women and men can show up to live our purposes, to be who we were put here to be, to live authentically and so that's my big mission. And where I figured I would start <laughs> is where I can be the most relevant and, and with what I know, which is what it is to be a woman and more specifically a professional woman who kind of pushes against some of those social norms or expectation, gender expectations in my own life. And so I am starting in the area of working with a lot of women and, and this is Woman's Work, the podcast that I do, as well as the company that I run, is really about redefining what it means to be a woman, and maybe more specifically a professional woman in today's age, and how we have an opportunity to define what that looks like for ourselves, and not feel the pressure of what other people define that to be. Well, this episode will certainly help a lot of our listeners who are women, but we also want to help our listeners who are men. So let's start with that group first, Nicole. I want you to speak to some men on the call about some of the gender expectations that you see you know, in the workplace or just in life in general um, that are misconstrued, uh, maybe aren't accurate of the role that women play through your lens um, in and outside of work. Uh, could you speak to that? 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and let me start by saying, I do not advocate for women at the expense of men. I'm very clear about that. Um, it's, I think we all have our unique purposes and our unique gifts and talents and, and the idea that we would all show up to our relationships, to our lives, to our professions as that person, then, then everybody wins. Um, to more directly answer your question, uh, I think the idea that all men are a certain way or all women are a certain way is just silly. We are all unique individuals with different goals, different talents, dif different God-given gifts. And it would be a crying shame for us to waste them or not use them. Like there's a quote that says something when, along the lines of when I stand before God, I want to be able to say, I use everything you gave me. Uh, and so um, not all women want to get married. Not all women want to have children. Not all men, by the way, either. Um, not all women enjoy cooking or household chores. Not all women are good listeners or are super empathetic. Um, just like not all men are decisive or strategic or lack the skills of listening or empathy or <laughs> collaboration. And so I'll use the leadership um, uh, topic to kind of play this out. For a long time, leadership has meant being decisive, being strategic, uh, accountability. There are a lot of words that tend to lean towards more masculine, but I know a lot of men who have exceptional leadership traits and skills that often set them aside or you know push them down because they don't want to appear weak or soft or what have you. And I know a lot of women who you know are incredibly decisive and and they can sometimes feel like they're being punished for it. You know, the B word comes to mind. Um, so it's really about how do we eliminate the expectations we have about each other, for each other, about how we're going to show up at work, in our lives, in our relationships, and, and really just be open to learning, knowing, and accepting people as who they are. So let's stay with men um, on, on this topic. Uh, one of the things that I see in my work, and I know you see this in your work, is especially with young men, and, and, and I've fallen um, certainly uh, victim to this a time or two in terms of my own line of thinking. Um, I think people that know me well would say, yeah, you still have work to do in this area. Oh, but, me too. Um, you know, <laughs> I think for me, it's like, okay, being a young man means uh, being assertive and I have to be direct and confident and uh, without fault and act like I have my stuff together. And that's leading for a young man in today's America. Um, you're challenging that narrative and, and you've said more than once that actually authenticity, humility, vulnerability, transparency are associated with men uh, leading at a high level. Um, could you expand on that? Like, what are your thoughts on, on men leading with transparency, vulnerability, authenticity? 
Yeah. So we all have work to do, myself included. Um, we all have blind spots. We all have biases and beliefs and experiences that we bring to the table. And, and, and so, you know, nobody has arrived as it relates to this work, in, in my opinion. I think what a shame it is to carry around the pressure as a man to always have the answers and to be assertive and to be direct and all of that there have to be moments where you want to be thoughtful or you don't have the answer or where you're questioning something or you want somebody's opinion or you want to be collaborative or whatever the case may be. And I don't think it's healthy or fair that you don't get to do that um, in the same way that I don't think it's healthy or fair where women have, you know, different expectations put on them. Um, there is a massive difference in my opinion between confidence and arrogance. And I think being confident is when you know who you are, you own who you're not, and you choose to embrace all of it. Male or female, that, that's my definition of confidence. And so my thought would be as a man, you're encouraged to own who you or know who you are and demonstrate that there isn't a lot of encouragement in the owning who you're not part or admitting weakness or confusion or anything like that. Man, is it attractive both from a leadership perspective and from a relationship perspective when somebody's willing to be vulnerable or to share their pain or to say, I don't know the answer. Can we think through this together? Um, to me, that is true leadership, regardless of the package it's coming from. Male That's great. Female. Yep. Good, Nicole. Love, love what you shared there. And you know, I, just to, we'll speak to men on um, that are listening for a minute. I don't think vulnerability always means that you air out all of your laundry or you have to admit all of your faults or weaknesses. Uh, we get caught in that, right? Like sometimes yeah. people tell us that as men, like be more vulnerable, be more transparent. It's like, okay, well, what are the three things that I've done recently that I wish I wouldn't have done? And I got to talk about that. No, that's not always the point. The point is have a posture that says I've got work to do. Sure. Uh, that's vulnerability, right? And we'll give a shout out to a mutual friend um, that we share in common. Uh, Dave Keeker is a guy in my life who models this so well. And I think Dave is incredibly vulnerable and he's transparent and he's real, not because he's constantly talking about his weaknesses or airing out his own mistakes, because he has a posture that suggests he has more to learn. You know, and I think one of the things that, that uh, a mantra that we could abide by that is so attractive is, you know, I stand to learn from every person that I meet and every situation that I'm in. And for me, like Dave embodies that as a high level executive leader of people. One of the things that he says all the time is I can't wait to learn from you. Yeah. And he'll say that to like a brand new person in his organization. I'll be like, man, can't wait to get time with you. And, and I'm excited to learn from you. And to me, like that's authenticity. That's being real. That's, that's a posture that suggests, I've got more to learn and I'm being vulnerable with you by showing you that I don't have it all figured out. So, um, you know, I, I just wanted uh, our listeners to know that to be vulnerable, you don't have to air out all your laundry, yeah. um, but it, it's as much about a posture as it is about your actions. 
you make such a good point too. I think sometimes we use certain words and then they mean something in our brain that isn't necessarily helpful. So vulnerability, like you said, doesn't mean it's not the opposite of privacy, right? You, you can be vulnerable yeah, and private. Um, you can be vulnerable and not cry. You know, it, 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 it's not, I, I love the way you framed it. It's, it's a, uh, I am vulnerable to the fact that I still have more to learn, that I don't have all the answers and that I do make mistakes and that I can learn from them. Um, absolutely. I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. All right. So we've addressed some men that are listening. I want to address the women and Nicole, here's what I hear from other leaders about you. They'll say, if you want to work with the women in your organization, if you want them to feel empowered, if you want them to work through gender expectations, you need to bring in Nicole Khalil uh, to speak to your team, to do a workshop with your team, to do coaching with your team. I want to know about the work that you're doing with women that's so powerful, that's creating that kind of narrative. Um, Help us understand your work with women. Yeah. So- First of all, I love that people are saying that. Thank you. Um, My work with women falls into a few different categories. First, confidence building. We know based on statistics that women trail behind men in confidence. Not all women and all men, but generally speaking. And so really working with women to find their internal confidence so they can show up with all of their strengths and, and all of their goals and spend less energy trying to fit into an organization and more energy around achieving their goals and playing to their strengths. So that's one piece of it. Um, I often talk to organizations about not making assumptions, being better about asking questions. So again, you know, not assuming that what you know or have experienced about women is going to be true for the new woman in your organization or the woman on the leadership team. Um, I've had experiences where I got put into a box, a short example, but when I was pregnant, I can't tell you how many people asked me whether or not I was returning to work. And when I said, yeah, I am for sure. Cause I knew for sure, hundred percent certainty that I was going to do that. They'd be like, well, we'll see. You don't really know. And I'd be like, of the two of us between my husband and I, if one of us were to be a stay at home, it would be Jay. He would actually prefer that over me. And it was, it was really a- annoying and frustrating to not be believed about what I knew to be true about me. So the second thing is around not making assumptions, asking questions and then believing people when they give you their answer, believing women about what's important to them or not. Um, the third thing is around accountability. A lot of organizations I work with really value accountability, and and I do too. Um, But sometimes accountability is framed in a way that I think limits ownership. And ownership trumps accountability in my mind. If somebody owns something, they don't need a ton of accountability. Um, But Accountability sometimes for women feels like a wagging of the finger at them. And what I have learned about women and being one and working with so many is we have a tendency to hold ourselves to internal expectations of perfection. And then we beat ourselves up when we don't achieve it. 
women have this thing I called I call head trash at a much higher rate than most of our male counterparts. Our internal voice is constantly going and it's very rarely kind and very rarely saying things that are true, like fact. We make up things like I'm not good enough or I'm not this enough or not. And I'm sure men do that too. I just, it's so prevalent with women. And so I think a lot of times organizations don't understand that accountability from the lens of you do this and you're good or you don't and you're bad um, really doesn't resonate with women. If women don't hit their goals or do what they say they're going to do, I promise you they already know it and they've already beaten themselves up. And so a, a lot of times I talk to leaders, specifically men who are leading women, around how do you not kick them when they're already down how do you get them back into action? And that's a, a lot of times in my work with women is, okay, how do we get back into action? Because action builds confidence for sure. Um, so really understanding that women are beating themselves up and, and probably the best thing that you can do is how do we get into forward momentum? How do we learn from whatever happened and apply it going forward? versus spending a lot of time reading yesterday's newspapers. It's already it's happened. Good. It's in the past. How do we move forward? It's good. Um, I heard this recently from uh, another mutual friend of ours, Jennifer Brazi said um, that, you know, a, a male, a, a man needs to be uh, like 30% sure of something before they'll take action. Whereas a woman needs to be 80 to 90% sure of something before they'll take action. Do you see that showing up in your work? Uh, absolutely. Um, so often with so much consistency that it would blast your mind. And that's part of my work and challenge with women. So, you know, we as women have a lot to learn from our male counterparts and you as men have a lot to learn from your female counterparts. I think it's the yin and the yang, right? We are better together for sure. Um, and I often say we as women have an opportunity to learn from our male counterparts, hundred percent ready for something that's new, that's never been done before by you is not a thing. The only time you ever are hundred percent is when you've done the thing. <laughs> and mm. so women are waiting too long to act. And, and so we talk about, um, the military study, I think it's Colin Powell, but, uh, it's the 40 to 70% is the range you want to be in for action over 70 percent you've waited too long and i think that's where women get tripped up so often it's understanding that we don't need to come to a position or a, a opportunity with a hundred percent of the criteria checked off we have the opportunity to learn on the job just like our male counterparts do um, and having confidence within ourselves will, will help there. So yes, I say that all the time and it's truly a, a big opportunity. And I think for men who are listening, you know, if I'm a, a, a female leader, I know that right inherently about how women are wired. But if I'm a man, I'm not realizing that, you know, this person's inability to take action might not have to do with the confidence as much as she's processing through a different lens and, and, um, the other side of that is a, a man is 
maybe moving forward prematurely, right? Or yeah. uh, makes assumptions that, man, I'm more ready than I really am. So there's learning on both sides, right, Nicole? So I'm not going to let you off of the show without talking about the difference between time management and choice management. I know that you talk specifically to women about time management related to maybe the multiple hats or roles that they play. Um, tell us why you say choice. It's really about choice management, not time management. Yeah. Help us understand that. Yeah. Time management is a big topic for me. And, and basically what it stems from is time, again, is neutral. Uh, it's fixed. We all have the same amount of it. You have 60 minutes in an hour, just like I do. 24 hours in a day, seven days a week. I have yet to meet anybody who's been able to manage a 25th hour or an eighth day in the week. I, I would love to meet that person because I could use the extra time, but it, it just, it doesn't work that way, right? And so time is both neutral and fixed. It's not time that we're managing. It's a misnomer. Um, what we are managing are the choices that we make with the time that we have and all of us. And so I've started calling it choice management. I, uh, my coach, Lisa Kalman, helped me think through this um, many, many years back. And, and just calling it choice management is helpful for me because it is the reminder that I am making choices. And sometimes it doesn't feel like a choice. Like when the school calls me back when we we're all in school, right? And says, your kid is sick. I don't feel like I have a choice, but I do have a choice. I have a choice in that moment of what I do with my day. And I think, you know, our opportunity for all of us is given that it's all about the choices that we're making, what are our priorities? What is the most productive, effective, and efficient choices that we could be making? Um, is where we are spending our time matching with our goals and our values uh, and how do we set and communicate healthy boundaries and learn to say no as it relates to our choice or the time that we have when somebody asks us to do something that, that doesn't fit. And for a lot of women, I think that's hard. I think men too. Um, so Choice management is what I work on personally and what I work on with a lot of people um, that I coach or, or, or speak about. We just had Jeff Woods on the show recently and I asked uh, Jeff a similar question, although I, I probably referred to it as time management, not choice management. So I'm learning something today. <laughs> Uh, but I said, I said, Jeff, why do we all struggle to say no? And he said, we struggle to say no because we're not clear about what we should be saying yes to. And I think that's the essence of what you're talking about, right? Is get clear on your priorities and the things that you value. And when your values are clear, decisions are easy, uh, which gets back to choices. Yeah. And, um, and you have been someone uh, for so long that has been so clear. And I think it speaks to your effectiveness with the people that you work with. I think it speaks to the brand that you've built. Um, if you don't know Nicole Khalil, you need to get to know her. Uh, as a speaker, as a coach, as a thought leader, um, and, and not just in the realm of gender expectations, but Nicole, you do so much in the world of performance and productivity and leadership development. Um, what's next for Nicole Khalil? Tell us about some of the stuff that you're working on today. Yeah, so I am about to launch an online course called This Is Confidence. It is not a course about confidence in general. It is really built and designed 
for each person taking the course to build their confidence. Uh, I put so much time into the guidebook that goes along with the course. And my hope is that it is not just helpful and that you don't walk out of the course just feeling more confident, but that you're acting with more confidence, that you're behaving confidently. Um, and that you can continue the work going forward. So um, it is a course designed with women in mind, um, though I think a man could take it and walk away with just as much uh, confidence. <laughs> but yeah, that, that was my lens. And of course, I have the podcast and um, I do a lot of virtual keynotes and virtual on, uh, trainings that used to be on site now. I love doing that. That's absolutely my favorite thing to do. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you are interested in learning more about my work, I, I would say go to the website. So it's NicoleKhalil.com and, um, everything I do is on there, uh, including the, the new course. And my final question, um, where can people find you, Nicole, outside of the website? How can they follow you and stay in yeah. touch? So I'm on all the platforms, <laughs> um, uh, on Instagram, it's Nicole M. Khalil. Uh, and, uh, I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, and then the podcast is, this is woman's work and it's available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Well, Nicole, I want to say thank you, um, not just for your time today, but for the work that you're doing that is so meaningful and relevant, um, to a lot of the people that I know, and we're connected because we share a lot of, uh, the same friends and, uh, I now get to call you a friend and I look forward to, the work that we get to do together moving forward. So thanks. Thanks for being a friend. Um, thanks for being a thought leader. Uh, and thanks for being you. Yeah. I love that so much. This connection that we've made has um, been one of my favorite parts about all the mutual people we have in, in common. So thanks for having me and, and thanks for your leadership and for being vulnerable as we talked about earlier from the stance of you're doing great things and we all still have more to learn, right? Well, Craig Rochelle owns the rights to one of my favorite quotes. He says, people would rather follow a leader who is always real than one who is always right. And Nicole Khalil has been keeping it real. So thanks again, Nicole, uh, for your time. And um, you're the best. Good luck to you. Look forward to staying in touch. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, thanks everyone for tuning in. This has been another episode of the Montgomery Companies podcast. I am your host. Jordan Montgomery, and we wanted to say thanks again to Nicole Khalil for her time and insight. Always a pleasure catching up with you, my friend. Also, um, would love it if you would follow, like, and share this podcast. You can check it out on Spotify or iTunes, and we certainly appreciate every one of you uh, for following, tuning in, and checking us out. Be well. Have a great day.